You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Welcome to church. So somehow, you guys have come to church on the day they've asked me to come and share. Well, we thank God. Uh, I want to thank the band. That was an amazing, amazing worship session. Can we thank the band? Hallelujah. Okay, our theme for this month is relationships. And so if you've been coming to church, you would have heard all we've been talking about relationships. And today we're going to continue in that theme and with a discussion on what we call detox. Detox. So our understanding of detox is usually when you've eaten way too much or possibly maybe you drank too much alcohol, for example, and you just need to get rid of toxins in your body. Because, you know, toxins are harmful to our bodies, right? But did you know that relationships also have toxins? So let's quickly read Genesis 25, verses 24 to 26, and then 29 to 34. So Genesis 25, verses 24 to 26, and then we jump to verses 29 to 34. Okay. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now the first came forth red, all over like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came forth with his hand holding onto Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. Then we would jump to verse 29. When Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am famished. Therefore, his name was called Adam. But Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, behold, I am about to die. So of what use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, first, swear to me. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Then Esau despised his birthright. This is a classic example of a relationship that had toxins. Esau and Jacob were supposed to have a good relationship. They were twins, you know, in the scale of very close relationships, twins really comes high up. They were supposed to be best of friends, looking out for each other. They were supposed to be blood brothers, looking out for each other. But this relationship was different. There was something not quite right 
about this relationship. The relationship was off in a way. And this relationship was toxic. And little did they know, at least from the point we read this passage, that many years down the line, the relationship will get to a point where Esau vows in his heart to murder his brother. So the same way toxins are bad for the body is the same way toxins are bad for relationships. And at its very worst, at its very, very worst, toxins have led to breakups, divorce, malice, separation, assault, and unfortunately death in some cases. So my point here is we cannot successfully engage in any long-term relationship without first understanding the toxins that kill relationships. You cannot successfully engage in any long-term relationship without first understanding the toxins that kill relationships. And this is why we are here today. This is why we are having this discussion today. We are about to go on a journey where we discuss and discover these toxins. We may even go back to Jacob and Esau's story and see if we can identify some of those toxins there. And if you are still awake by the time this message is over, then I'm going to reveal the worst toxin of them all, the mother load of it. But before we jump into listing these toxins, there's an important question that I have to ask you guys. Are all relationships worth maintaining? <laughs> okay, you've answered it, okay. <laughs> but I believe it's a very important question because if we are learning about toxins and how to engage in long-term relationships, should we really be engaging in all relationships and trying to make all relationships work? So anyone who has suffered a heartbreak will say no. Anyone who has been in, in an abusive relationship will say no. Anyone who has been betrayed by a very, very close friend would likely say no. But I am reminded of the example of Jesus Christ, who for the, because of purpose, chose to maintain a relationship that would ultimately lead to his betrayal and death. And I'm talking about the relationship that Jesus had with Judas Iscariot. Obviously, I'm not saying, I mean, we should be like Jesus, but I don't think you should be in a relationship if you know certain that this is going to be a threat to your life, your property, your emotional stability. By all means, please, we consider that relationship because that relationship doesn't portray God and God is love. But the reason I am alighting the example of Jesus is because even through the odds, Jesus did not believe in canceling anyone. In fact, Jesus went as far as giving his life so that we 
are not cancelled. So I am sure Jesus must be extremely puzzled by the cancel culture we have in the world today. A world where it's okay to just cancel anyone because they talk to you anyhow. Or because they did something wrong. No second chances. This is not what Jesus wants for us. But interestingly, this is what the devil wants for us. Anyone that has ever watched a group of hungry lions trying to attack a head of maybe antelopes or deer, we'll see that there's something unique that they do. The first thing that they do is just run and cause commotion. And in that commotion, you know, everyone starts to run. Everyone starts to run helter-skelter. But the thing is, the lion's end game is not to cause commotion. Their end game is to isolate just one antelope, just one deer, away from the rest of the herd. And if they're able to successfully isolate one animal, then most likely that animal will not make it. This is a classic strategy of predators. As long as a predator finds a way to isolate you or us from our most important relationships, then they can easily attack. The devil's aim is to isolate us from the relationships that can protect and positively enrich our lives. The devil's aim is to isolate us from the relationships that can protect and positively enrich our lives. And how does the devil do this, you ask? Toxins. The devil plants toxins in relationships. He plants seeds of discord in relationships. The Bible records the first act of God as creating. But then the Bible also records the first act of Satan as planting a seed of discord. And we know that the devil planted a seed of discord in Eve, which eventually led to the breakdown between the relationship between God and man. So this is the modus operandi of the devil, using toxins to poison relationships. He has been doing this from the beginning, and he's continually doing it. But worse still, what the devil is doing, which is very interesting, is that he's poisoning those relationships that we likely take for granted. See, many of the important relationships that we're going to have in this world start off as ordinary. They're not packaged as important relationships. So it is very easy for us to take it for granted. So the devil uses this misconception to plant toxins and allow us to walk away from relationships and we don't even give it a second thought because we don't think it's important. I think we all think we can identify the most important relationships in our lives, right? I mean, if I was 
friends with Dangote, for example, every likelihood is that I will say, wherever you go, I go. Your people will be my people. Whatever you say, I don't mind. And so you hold on to that relationship tight because you think that is the most important relationship. But this is usually not the case. The most important relationships we have are not packaged as important. They, are, they don't look important. They are your everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill relationships. And they are the ones we take for granted the most. Can we read Genesis 41, verses 5 to 12, and Genesis 41, verses 37 to 40? So Genesis 41, verses 5 to 12, and Genesis 41, verses 37 to 40. I read. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven years of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven years swallowed up the seven plump and full years. Then Pharaoh awoke. And behold, it was a dream. Now in the morning his spirit was troubled, so he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I would make mention today of my own offenses. Pharaoh was furious with the servants, and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. We had a dream on the same night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now a Hebrew youth was with us there, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, and we related them to him. And he, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted according to his own dream. And I'm going to fast forward to verse 37 because what happens is, Pharaoh calls in Joseph. Joseph interprets the dream and gives them a strategy. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and his servants. So I'm reading from verse 37. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and according to your commandment, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And when we are talking about important relationships, how was Joseph to know that the most important relationship in his life will be a fellow criminal, the worst of society, as we call them. How was Joseph to know that this criminal who he was in prison with him that was easy to disregard would have been the one person that was fundamental in him getting promoted to being prime minister of Egypt? 
if anything, this relationship between Joseph and this baker, I mean, sorry, is it chef or baker? Was the kind of relationship that it would have been easy to walk away from and not even think about it twice. You see, God will use the most unlikely people to bless and enrich our lives, so we must do our best to be at peace with all men. God will use the most unlikely people to bless and enrich our lives, so we must do our best to be at peace with all men. Romans 12:18 says, if it is possible, and as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So finally, I get to address the elephant in the room. What are these relationship toxins that we've been talking about? But before I jump into it quickly, I just want to say something. That these toxins on their own do not look like things that can destroy relationships. Because when you hear about a relationship gone bad, you can always, there's always something big that happened. They had a big fight. He cheated on her. She went behind his back to tell lies. <laughs> and so on and so forth. But what it is is that these toxins are usually the catalyst to these big eruptions. And these are why they are the devil's choice tools. They are not obvious. We will not read into it when we see it. We won't read much into it when we, when we see it manifest in relationships. So I'm about to go through the toxins, but not in any order. But let's go back into the story of Jacob and Esau. Can anyone guess what that toxin was that was, that was poisonous to that relationship? Yeah, greed, jealousy, everything. We'll call it covetousness. Covetousness is the desire of which is not yours and you cannot attain it because, and it's not in your ability to get, but you desire it. When we look at the life of Jacob, he desperately, desperately desired to be the firstborn. He desperately wanted to be in Esau's position. And so every move he made was to find a way to get the blessings and the benefits of what accrues to the firstborn. And Esau did not mind at first. You know, he sells his birthright for some food. But we learn later in Genesis 27 that this covetousness plays again and Jacob plays a trick on his own father in order to receive the blessing of the firstborn. And it was at this point that the relationship came to a head and Esau decided that one day he would kill his brother. So what led to this relationship was Jacob's deceitful actions. However, the catalyst, the toxin itself was the covetousness or greed. The second one is jealousy, which, which obviously leads to this. Jealousy is the desire of something that is not yours and then makes you have ill feeling towards the person that owns it. 
The Bible records in Genesis 4 how Cain was jealous of Abel's sacrifice. Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God, but Cain's was not. And that jealousy eventually led to Cain to kill his own brother. Unforgiveness is another toxin. There's an old school Baptist evangelist, John Rice, and he says, when we break unforgiveness to its most basic elements, unforgiveness is hatred. Essentially, how can you maintain a relationship with someone you hate? Because if you cannot forgive the person, more likely you hate the person. And I can go on and on, and you will notice that a few of these things are things we might see when we start talking about works of the flesh. Selfishness, being quarrelsome, pride, telling lies, gossiping. These are all toxins that, if not dealt with properly, can destroy our most important relationships. Now, toxins, now there's something I would like us to discuss, and it's called seasons of change. You see, seasons of change produce the right environment for toxins to manifest. Essentially, when one party in a relationship enters a new season, and the other party maybe hasn't entered that season or is in a, is, or is in a different season of their lives, can we read Genesis? Actually, all my texts are from Genesis, funny enough. Can we read Genesis 31, verses 1 to 3, and Genesis 31, verses 22 to 29? Genesis 31, verses 1 to 3, and then we jump to 22 to 29. Now, Jacob heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what belonged to our father, he has made all this wealth. Now Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly towards him as formerly. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, then he took Sorry, I'm jumping to verse 22, so sorry. When it was told to Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, then he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him a distance of seven days' journey. And he overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream of the night and said to him, Be careful that you do not speak to Jacob, either good or bad. So Laban caught up with Jacob, and Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen camped in the hill country of Gilead. <clears throat> then Laban said to Jacob, what have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and deceive me, and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with joy and with songs? with timbrel and with lyre, and did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. 
Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. What this passage tells us is that Jacob had entered a new season. He was enjoying God's favor. He started becoming wealthy. And somehow Laban was not. And Laban and his children started to, I guess, started to become jealous of Jacob. And that is it. When there are seasons of change, that is when many toxins can start to manifest. So we need to pay particular attention to our relationships during our seasons of transitions. We need to pay particular attention to our relationships during our seasons of transitions. So maybe one person moves to Canada and the other doesn't. That is when we need to be very intentional, intentional about that relationship. Maybe one person gets married and the other doesn't. We need to be very careful that toxins don't come in. Maybe one person has hammered and the one, other one hasn't. We need to be very careful that these transitions don't eventually cause toxic relationships. When we look back to the story of Joseph, we realize that when the fellow criminal had made it, essentially forgot Joseph. And sometimes we can flip it where it's not the person that gets left behind that the toxins come into, but it's the person that actually has transitioned. Maybe in your new season, there's now pride, there's now selfishness. You move in a new circle, and as such, you can't really maintain relationships with other people you used to. These are all things that poison relationships. You know, one of the things, when you peek into the lives of many, many extremely wealthy people, you'll find out that their family life is not as glamorous as their business life or their careers. And when you speak to the families, many times they say things change when the money came. Things change when wealth came. When the season of change happened, that is when the toxins came and started destroying those relationships. And as I end this message, I know I promised you guys that I was going to tell you the worst toxin of them all. This one is the deadliest. And if you forget anything else, this is the one you shouldn't forget. This is the one you should watch out for at all costs. And the worst toxin of them all is sin. Remember how I said the devil's aim is to try and isolate you from your most important relationships. Sin has the tendency to separate us from the most important relationship, which is our relationship with God. And this is why the devil is constantly making it easier and providing more avenues for us to fall into sin. In fact, these days with technology, it has become extremely easy to fall into sin. But I pray that our strength will not fall us or fail us in the day of temptation. 
So we are going to end with two prayers. Can we pray? If you have identified anything that we've discussed in terms of toxins in current relationships you have, or maybe it's unforgiveness, or maybe it's selfishness, or pride, I want us to pray for God to work on our hearts. The reality is we don't know if that relationship is the most important one for us on this side of eternity. And if the devil is attacking it, then we need to pay particular attention to it. So I want us to pray for grace. Grace. It is not by our power, but by the grace of God. To resolve and work these relationships. And I pray that the Holy Spirit starts to bring certain relationships to mind. those relationships we need to be very very intentional about let's pray for grace to be able to forgive let's pray for grace to remove jealousy from our lives let's pray for grace to remove greed and covetousness let's pray for grace not to compare ourselves which leads to greed and jealousy Let's also pray for grace, not to mistake it. The Bible tells us that Lot did not understand the relationship we had with Abraham, and as such, he parted with Abraham. And soon after, Lot found himself in a very, very bad place. Let us pray for the grace to be able to identify and maintain those important relationships, to not take them for granted. Jesus name and our last prayer is for those who have not started that most important relationship and this is the relationship with God or maybe on paper you tell people you have a relationship with God but, every, but you know deep in your heart that it is not a relationship if a fellow criminal could transform Joseph's, Joseph's life so positively, then how much more the creator of heaven and earth? This is the most important relationship of all. You know, we sang a song earlier on that says, let every other name fade away till there's only you. It's the most important relationship. And if you've not come to that place where you've given your life to Christ. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I encourage you to taste today. And if you're in that place, you're backsliding or you know you're living in sin, I just want you to come to that place to reconcile with the most important person in the world. So if you're making that decision today, can I ask that you, with all eyes closed, that you just raise your hand gently so that our 
ushers can just drop something in your hand that would help us engage with you and show you how you know you can start this relationship with God. This is the most important relationship of it all. And if you are raising your hand, I want you to say this prayer with me. My Father, Heavenly Father, I come to you today confessing that I am a sinner. But I come to you, come to you today to declare that I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and as such I am forgiven I commit my life to you today and I repent of all my sins in Jesus name we have prayed Amen if you made that decision, please, you know, you'd have been given some material. Please fill in the cards and drop it in any of the baskets. Thank you all. And go and maintain healthy, good relations. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.